Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. Hi, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Don Olson at Tory Moore Winery. Uh, it's August 7th, 2017. And Don, we're going to start with a nice easy question, which is why wine? <laughs> why wine? Interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a physician and uh, uh, I've always uh, been intrigued by science and always intrigued by the idea that wine is a living substance. And, uh, and the question is, how can you make a living substance into a industry in effect and uh, uh, and you can the uh, wine cell has in it a mitochondria it has uh, lysosomes it has all the things that human cells have basically and so the intrigue with this is immense and i guess that's why wine and, so how did you get introduced to the Oregon industry? Totally by accident. Uh, uh, the uh, situation was I had a son that uh, uh, a lot smarter than me, I might add. Young people are. And uh, it's a, uh, he, uh, uh, he, he, he pointed out to me in no uncertain terms how I, I missed, messed up and did not grasp on to the future of Nike. Uh, and. Uh, and said that he wanted to be a winemaker and, and wanted to come to Oregon. Of course, he had a girlfriend, and I thought that was probably the justification. But in any event, it, uh, that happened, and, uh, uh, and and then, unfortunately, he was uh, killed in a car accident and, uh, uh, on shortly after his 21st birthday. And, uh, and, and so I felt that I had to follow through with that. So... So how did you go, when, did you decide, when you decided you wanted to be part of it, how did you go about sort of learning what you needed to know? Uh, well, I don't know that I have ever found out what I need to know, but uh, uh, I, I, a long, long time ago, uh, I came from Wisconsin, and, uh, uh, and there, a, few, a couple hundred years ago, there was a wine industry there, but there, and there's some now, but there wasn't any to speak of for uh, the period, at that period of time. And, in the early 80s and, uh, and, and, and in the 70s. And so what happened there was on my internship in San Francisco, not having any money, uh, uh, I would frequently go to the wine country and, and enjoy and learn and started taking some courses uh, 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 that I would get up very early to watch on TV and, hmm. and, uh, and learn from. And, and then, by the grace of God, good luck, I, I won a fellowship to go any place in the world I wanted to go. And, uh, and, and I, I went to France. And, uh, uh, and there uh, I asked the question of every place I visited, uh, why was it that this wine from one place tasted different than a wine from another place? And the answer was always the same, terroir. And, uh, and of course, the French said it in a way that that, that made me remember. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, idea then came to me that that, that uh, this was something I needed to to explore. And, and of course, eventually it it became the basis of 
the name Torimor, which means a gate to the earth. It was my way of saying ter terroir, and uh, so, which basically I created the name, uh, and the Tori being the, the gates with the two on the side, mm -hmm. on the top rather that uh, and, uh, that are so important in in, in the uh, some of the religion of of, of Japan and. Uh, and I've been intrigued by the Asian philosophy for all my life, and uh, and a fan of Frank Lloyd Wright all of my life, uh, and uh, so it's it's kind of where we landed, and uh, 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 one of those roads that we we took a journey on, and here we here we ended up. So, so from San Francisco then, and from the kind of the Napa Valley area, how did you end up here? How did you find the Olson Estate Vineyard? Well. I came up here to look at places uh, in 1985 and uh, had read in the Wall Street Journal uh, preceding that that probably the best place to grow Pinot Noir in the world was in the Dundee Hills. Of, uh, and uh, so I wanted to go see what's happening here. And I visited here on a Saturday morning and basically made an offer to the McDaniels uh, that afternoon. Uh, so. What made it special to you? Why the spot? This garden. Uh, it, uh, uh, my life was uh, very busy at that time, and uh, uh, and I found tranquility here, and I found uh, I could, thought and still think I can sit here and hear the bugs, and uh, uh, which is special to me. And uh, so the idea of uh, harmony and balance and uh, is everything, and. It's here, and uh, the karma is here, and, uh, and and that's what great wine is, and uh, and I wanted to be a part of that. So, tell me a little bit more about that. You talk, we talked a little bit before the camera about balance and wine. Uh, what, what's, what is balance, and why is it so important? Well, balance obviously you you refer back to the science and chemistry, and uh, uh, we're always looking at our, our our acids and our sugars and all these other things, and everything. Uh, I, I, in, my, in my life as a physician, when I, I see pain patients who have very complicated situations and, and you have to try to teach them how to uh, live with certain problems, and, and I use the, the, the explanation that minestrone soup has lots of stuff in it, and, uh, and the idea of balancing every piece that's in that minestrone soup together is 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 what balance is, and and, and it's difficult, and uh, uh, and and to find harmony means it needs to be smooth, alive, and and to uh, at least to me it has to fit the the basic characters that I'm looking for in a great wine, and uh, so, uh, which of course is, I like you know upfront, forward, blackberry, cherry, uh, the feeling of. Uh, uh, does, never should bite you, and uh, uh, and a f great velvet on the palate, and, and and a finish that never quits, and uh, uh, all the good things about what I love—a great white wine, which happens, or a great red wine, which happens to be Pinot Noir. And here we are, the best place I think in the world for Pinot Noir, and, and one of the early vineyards that uh, Jim McDaniel planted, that was uh, planted with love, and. Uh, uh, and and sits here today and uh, producing, I believe, some great fruit. So what is it that makes Pinot Noir uh, special or, or challenging? <clears throat> Thin skin, 
uh, complicated uh, development. Uh, I, I, I've, I've tried to answer that question lots of times, and I, I really don't know the answer. And uh, uh, I've been uh, through another part of my life, literally all over the world. And uh, uh, I had, uh, I was in the Caucasus, for example, and uh, uh, in the Republic of Georgia, which a lot of people think that's where Pinot Noir probably started, at least some people do. And uh, and they had Pinot Noir there literally growing out on the ground flat and uh, and pretty well documented for at least 5,000 years and maybe longer. And, uh, uh, and, and trellising techniques uh, that here we think, you know, a trellising technique, we kind of developed it yesterday, and but the uh, reality was it's been around for a long time. And, uh, uh, and, and it's the concepts of farming, it turns out that these people, these forebears that we had, uh, were pretty smart, uh, and there's a lot of things to be learned uh, by just sitting back and, and 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 listening. Again, the theory of being in the garden, uh, harmony and balance, and, and and tranquility enough to to be to listen to see what's really there, and ask the question why at least five times. Uh, uh, so you started the vineyard, and then a little bit later is when you started the label, the Tory Moore label. What made you decide to start the label? Uh, it was, uh, we had sold some fruit that was considered very high uh, caliber, and uh, uh, and uh, in 1987, and uh, uh, along with Jim Marsh, and we did some Chardonnay that was uh, ranked very high, and, uh, uh, and then. Thereafter, we did uh, 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 the idea of, of maybe starting a winery and uh, uh, and putting something together here. Uh, seemed like a, just a reasonable idea. And uh, uh, obviously, if I knew all the things then that I know now, I probably, it's like everything, if you, you knew everything at the, in the early phases, you'd probably run in the opposite direction. But uh, uh, as it turns out, this, uh, telephone call I just had a few minutes ago was from an old friend uh, that uh, I've known forever who coincidentally uh, uh, was my attorney uh, when I won a malpractice case against an, against an attorney uh, which was the money I used to start this one <laughs> uh, uh, so and we've been friends ever since you know so it's pretty funny timing. Yeah, coincidence, <laughs> totally coincidence. I did not tell him about this interview. Or, it was just it was just coincidence. His son had a brain tumor, and uh, and so we became friends. And uh, uh, and I've known something about brain tumors over the years, and so. So what you, you mentioned, like if you knew now what you knew then, you might not have done it. What were some of the the challenges uh, in the early days? Well, uh, the weather. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, issue of uh, finding people who understood the grape, and uh, and uh, which uh, I applaud you guys for doing your program that you're doing, and uh, uh, because education's everything, and uh, so uh, working uh, uh, with something uh, as challenging as as the grape to produce a product that has a million different uh, responses from different people and uh, 
uh, and excites different parts of the neuroanatomy. For example, olfaction, smell, and uh, uh, some people believe, and, and I think it's true, and that we have a huge number of receptors uh, in in the olfactory system. Uh, some people say many is a trillion, and uh, and that these receptors obviously uh, uh, are what we base a lot of our wine appreciation on, and uh, so you can't really taste until you smell, and 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 the combination of the two is is something that is a part of that evaluation that we do when we take up a piece of glass put and, and, and put a wine in it and appreciate it and first uh, putting our nose in the glass to smell and, and, uh, and swirling and, and, and allowing it to be in our mouths to appreciate uh, its flavors and its touch and, and, uh, and that opportunity to kind of move out of yourself for a moment and, and become uh, <clears throat> somebody who is uh, intrigued with, with the science and chemistry uh, of, of, of life. And uh, it sounds maybe crazy, but it is what it is. I don't think it sounds crazy. Uh, um, so, uh, well, everybody else, lots of people think it's crazy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, I come from originally Wisconsin where you know, if it didn't have ketchup on it, it wasn't good. And, uh, and meatloaf was the drug of choice, and uh, or the food of choice, and and the, the drug of choice was heavy, hard brandy. And uh, for cold days, watching football days, football games. So uh, all of that's changing. So, how did you develop your palate? Uh, I it developed a, a taste for. Uh, Initially, the, the big Zinventals, and uh, uh, and it, it moved on from there, basically speaking. And and, uh, uh, and it's amazing; you get pretty good at it after a while. And uh, but it does take a while. And uh, and I, I believe that the, the ladies have a much finer ability to evaluate wine than we as guys do. And the older we get. Uh, we get less sensitive, so to speak, in our palate, and uh, I think anyway, and uh, and I think that's the reason why you'll find older guys liking the, the Tabasco sauce on everything, so uh, <laughs> uh, which takes away a lot of flavor. So, uh, so as you're as you're developing your own palate, and as you start making wine for other people, did you find there was a, did you find that most people liked what you liked? Did you find you had to kind of change your winemaking uh, to fit other people's tastes? Come on, I'm a neurosurgeon. Uh, <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> I, w neurosurgeons are control freaks, and uh, and I'm guilty. I'm sorry, but I'm guilty. It is what I am, and uh, uh, you can't do that kind of stuff and not be a control freak. And uh, uh, and I loved what I did, so. So do you have a, did you, as you developed your, um, developed your practices over the years, did you come to like a philosophy, a vineyard philosophy or a winery uh, philosophy? Well, it, it, it's the same philosophy I, I hope I have in everything. And uh, uh, it, it is a desire to uh, uh, appreciate myself and to, uh, and to reflect uh, the, the reality of, of what nature has offered us. And, uh, and I don't think it can be better expressed than, than as it is in this 
for example, in this garden that Jim had had, had created, and uh, uh, with in the spring when these trees are all flowering, it, it's an amazing experience. And in uh, uh, working from a big city surroundings much of my life, uh, it's quite a change, and uh, I appreciate it. And so I know as, as you've developed this over the years, you've also, sustainability has become a much bigger uh, idea in wine and in lo local food. So uh, talk about how sustainability practices have influenced your vineyard and your winery. Well, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure I know how to answer it, uh, frankly. Uh, the idea of longevity is, is everything. We, all of us want to live forever, don't we? And, uh, uh, and what is it that makes some of us live longer than others? Uh, uh, most of the time, that's DNA. And, uh, uh, and should we be monitoring the DNA in, in grapes? In many respects, we do. And, uh, and, and the soil is everything that it comes from. And, and uh, we talk about uh, things that were done a thousand years ago and trying to find which was the best place to plant grapes or anything for that nature. And, uh, uh, and biodynamic farming is basically that. And, uh, uh, but it is a way to track the microbes and the yeast in the soil. And, uh, and, and everybody's trying to do that. There's a company contacted me the other day uh, that they want me to be involved with. And, uh, and that's what they do. They do DNA of the microbes that are in the soil. Uh, and. Uh, uh, and then monitor that, and uh, uh, and and then do analytics. And the, in my opinion, the, the the world of medicine, at least, is changing. And I think soon, so will the world of wine. And it'll all change with analytics. And and it, by that, it's just purely uh, getting a, a data file large enough to uh, uh, have something to calculate. And then it's all math. And uh, and getting in statistics a P score and uh, and the the correct number to strive for is a 0 .003, which is 99.7 percent accuracy uh, and predictability. And uh, uh, I got interested in analytics only because I was in Las Vegas for at the medical school there and uh, and and got a lot of friends in the casino business and uh, and they all indicated that. Uh, one of their number one problems was cheating, fraud. And, uh, and so they worked out a, a program with a computer genius friend of mine and uh, who was doing a lot of work for the military and uh, that really uh, did a profile. And, uh, and so when a person that came in that they could spot and uh, they could quickly uh, focus a, a minimum of 14 cameras and many times many more and uh, uh, and and I'm sure they wouldn't want me to tell you how many more and uh, <laughs> and and they, and they could have them within seconds uh, on the person in question and uh, analyze basically everything they do and uh, and then uh, including their their face recognition and, and the oil on their nose and the, everything and. Uh, 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 and before the person could do, a, say, a second hand uh, of whatever game they were playing, they could have them categorized. And if they were cheating, could, in good comfort zone, 
say so and escort them out of the casino uh, with their winnings from their first hand and uh, but tell them in a nice way not to ever come back again sure. and uh, they found that to be very successful and, uh, uh, and that seemed to be intriguing uh, and uh, uh, <coughs> and uh, as you apply that to other areas uh, uh, it works and my, I have a son-in-law who is uh, a NASA scientist and uh, and they have these satellites roaming around the world and uh, and what I didn't know was satellites uh, can have sensors that can do just about everything. And uh, uh, in the old days, it was just CO2. But with, with CO2, you could monitor the vineyard very nicely. Uh, the growth and vigor is going to show a, a vigorous area on CO2 and, and uh, a production. And, and of course, an area that is potentially diseased or not getting enough nourishment is not going to, and uh, you could then plot that sure. out in your vineyard and know pretty well where you are. Water flow is important. Uh, water flow changes as you uh, uh, go, and of course we look at everything two-dimensionally, and unfortunately that's not the way the world is. The world is three-dimensional, and uh, and that is uh, uh, that water goes in a circle like a, like rifling down a barrel, and so where you measure it is it's like in a stream. It's not the same, and, and it always curves. And uh, uh, that's also true in the human body. And uh, uh, the spinal fluid from our brain down to uh, our, our, our spine uh, goes, goes the same way, a spiral type way, and, uh, which, uh, which creates certain anomalies in, 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 in medicine and neurosurgery that we have to be aware of. And uh, so, uh, but, that's intriguing to me, and uh, uh, so doing this tidbit of testing, and now with drones, which uh, uh, which are approved for vineyards, and uh, uh, which I've I've had the privilege of being a part of or invited to uh, since the beginning here in Yamhill County, and and the Yamhill County has done a great job of getting ahead of that on drones, and I had a friendship with Dale Smith, and uh, uh, and. It's uh, uh, it, it's an area of interest uh, that I think uh, is just scratching the surface. So, so what do you think will happen with it? What what what, what will it do to the wine industry in the next couple of better. decades? I think we'll get better and better wine, and uh, uh, and uh, and where that goes, I don't know. But I think we will get better wine in terms of our appreciation for what we know to be quality at the present time. Uh, I believe the Dundee Hills are the, the New World Grand Crew, and uh, uh, I believe this is the center of the great wines of the world. And, uh, so. and speaking of that, we talked a little bit about the new clone you're planting. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is Dickie Rath uh, uh, 117, and, uh, and it is uh, I think very special. Uh, he uh, picked it up uh, a long time ago from uh, from France, from Claude Vajot, and uh, uh, brought it to Davis, and uh, and they put it through the testing and, and came up with uh, a clearance, which is uh, uh, effective the first of the year, going to be called the Erath 117 clone, and uh, which I think is a big deal. And uh, uh, I've tasted the wine made from it, and. Uh, 
I've seen the numbers. Uh, uh, they're really quite good, and uh, uh, and it's important to look at you know what the tannins are and the acids and all these things, uh, and everything's it's like Shakespeare said everything changes but nothing changes it's still great wine but on the other hand it's important to get the right calculations to get to the great wine so did you have a vision for Tory Moore when you started or for the vineyard and the and, the, and how has it changed <clears throat> I don't think anything's changed I, I think everything is what it is and uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, I always th thought that that being part of of an industry would be a great way to retire, and and what I thought would be a retirement, and, uh, and uh, hasn't quite worked out that way, I might <laughs> add. But uh, uh, everyone dreams of being a gentleman farmer, but it's hard to be a gentleman farmer. So uh, uh, I come from a family of of uh, pioneers that. that uh, cut a piece of land out of nothing in, in Wisconsin in 1836 and, uh, and made it into a, a, a thriving farm and, uh, and being Norwegians they were uh, choose to do something next to impossible uh, and they grew tobacco in, t in Wisconsin and, uh, and did it well and, uh, and became the uh, supplier for the, the Dutch master cigar for the wrappers. And I had a grandfather who was an absolute perfectionist, tough as nails, and uh, and uh, did what he did, and I was proud of him. So, and I, I hope I can measure up. So, speak on on that note. What are you proudest of here? Uh, uh, well, I think the idea is is one that we've seen growth and and that we've seen recognition and uh, and and. And it may be, in some respects, a spiritual change that I think is occurring within our whole society. I put on a bunch of solar and took and followed what I call eco-tourism early in the game. And we were one of the the I guess booster child of the, the state energy department initially, and uh, uh, I think that's an important thing. Now, whether we're going to see solar as the, as the means for all things in the future, I don't know. Uh, but I, I do know that that we have 250 solar panels over on our winery, and uh, and it's fun to watch the meter go backwards on a nice sunny day. So. And you're also involved in live and lead certified as we well. Do. We do all of those, and uh, so uh, again, you don't know exactly how important they are, but they were important to me, and I did them. So. And so, what's in the future for Tory Moore, other than your exciting new clones? What what else is in the future? <clears throat> well, uh, we have some of the best water in the world here. Uh, uh, and I've tested it, uh, and uh, it has no contamination, and uh, and it has uh, better numbers than bottled boss water, and uh, and uh, it is uh, sitting underneath us, right as we speak, and uh, and then there's a big aquifer there that came into being when the Missoula floods came across, 
10,000 years ago and created this. And, uh, uh, and it's probably going to last another couple hundred years. Maybe, you know, uh, I'll probably be that old, I suppose. But anyway, and it, uh, uh, I'm kidding. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, uh, it is what it is, and I think it's going to be a part of the future. And I think it's a part of the reason why the Dundee Hills are so special. And uh, uh, because what do they say in the old Olympic brewery that's in the water? I think, I think that's true. And, uh, but it's also in the dirt, and it's also in the east, and it's also in the people who put their hands to it, and, uh, and it's also in the passion that exists uh, uh, that every facility has to have in order to go. So. And we talk, you talked a little, bit, a little bit about this earlier, but the future of the Oregon wine industry in general, I'm curious what your thoughts are and what it's going to look like. Well, I wish I could answer that one, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's crazy out there right now, but that's my opinion. And, uh, so. Do you think it's going to keep growing? I don't know. Uh, every time I think I, something, I say it out loud, uh, something, something happens that's different. And, uh, <laughs> so I've, I've, uh, some, somebody said in college, it's, it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool rather than open it and prove it. And, uh, so, uh, so I just sit back and listen. I respect that. Um, what advice would you have for someone who wanted to join the wine industry? Be careful. Be passionate. Uh, uh, don't ever give up. And what do you hope will happen here on your property? Are you, are you, if you ever do get to retire, what happens next? I think they'll bury me because uh, I don't think I'm going to retire. <laughs> uh, so th this is a beautiful place. Why leave it? So makes sense to me. That's all the questions I have for you. Is Thank there anything you. else you'd like to add? Anything I should have asked that I didn't? I don't know what it would be. Uh, I suppose after a few glasses of wine, I'd think of something. But, uh, <laughs> but the, it's early in the morning here, so come on. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not so. yet. But well, young people are, are going to change things and, uh, uh, because they think differently. And, uh, and they should. Uh, and. As they experience what has been, uh, it, 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 it took me a long time to get smart. I think that that's not unusual. And uh, wisdom is something you gain. And, uh, uh, and nothing remains the same. And, uh, but you go through transitions. And I hope this world learns to slow down. Some good words to end on. I like that. So. Well, Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.